Welcome to Season 3 of Football on the 40. The days until our Texas Longhorns open the season against Rice are now in the single digits. Our hearts are full, our eyes are clear, and all is well down in Austin. If you haven't been paying close attention, we are here to get you hyped for this upcoming season. Here at Football on the 40, we are high on our horns. Even pessimistic Kev is all in. As we enter year three of the Sark era, Texas is the preseason favorite to win the Big 12 for the first time since 2009 and is ranked number 11 in the inaugural AP poll. And in case you're new around here, Football on the 40 is a podcast of four Texas alums who love everything Texas football, give our pretty mediocre opinions, slightly above average insights, and the best takes you'll hear anywhere around the 40 acres. I'm your host, Jake Robinson, joined by fellow hosts Kevin Mathis and Andrew Harris. Bowen Kai will typically be with us, but he became a father earlier this week and is at home with his wife and son. Tune back in next week to hear more about that. We periodically will also bring in guests from time to time, and uh, our show is produced by the astute Hamilton Lizer. So in this episode, we will recap what's going on around the college football landscape with realignment, preview this Texas team season, and of course, the critically acclaimed betting corner is back. But before we get into the nitty gritty, it's time for a little catch up. Andrew, what have you been up to this offseason? season? Um. You know, I've just been counting down the days till uh, Texas football is back. I think we're at 12 right now. So uh, pretty excited about that. Um, Mary Page and I have gone on a couple trips. It's been fun. Summer is very hot. Hot summer this year. Houston's not fun right now, uh, weather-wise. But outside of that, just a lot of optimism. And, um, you know, it's uh, not surprising to see Kev have some optimism this point of the year. Um, but the amount of optimism is a lot. So, Kev, I want you to dive into just kind of where you are right now mentally and just kind of elaborate. <laughs> to this yeah, I'll, I'll start with the hype because I did end last season saying that I thought uh, 2023 we were going to have a real shot at making the college football playoff. And I feel the same way now with a lot more backing and awareness about our players and some of the things the coaching staff has been saying. So, I'm more excited than I have ever been on this podcast at this part of the season. Um, and I'm, I'm really pumped to be here again, the third year with you guys and kind of get into it. Um, as for the summer, it's been a really busy time at work for me. So a little bit less golf, a little bit less, you know, outside working out, uh, because it's so freaking hot, <laughs> but uh, and we were talking about this earlier before we started recording, but I've been riding my bike a lot more. So getting some cycling in and uh, hanging out with Sam and and Ham here in Houston. Hamilton just got a F1 simulator that's really tight. <laughs> I told him not to buy it. I was like, you're wasting your money, but it's so awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Hayes is, uh, had his first birthday, you know, a couple weeks back, which was really cool. And, you know, your son, Andy, turned one as well back in May, I think. So um, it's a fun time in our lives. And this is like an amazing way to catch up with each other every week and also talk about our passion. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Before, though, Jake, what have you been up to? 
Yeah, I have one big update uh, since we last recorded. I am engaged. I proposed to (laughs) Macy back in July, and uh, we're I'm I'm really excited to um, just get married and and start our lives together. But we're in the in the season right now of wedding planning, so that's taking up a lot of our time. In fact, we delayed the start of this podcast just a little bit because of you know we're working on working on save the dates right now. So, (laughs) but. Jake, most important question, yeah. real quick mm-hmm. before we dive in. Okay. Was it left knee or right knee that you proposed with? Ooh. Do you even remember? I definitely don't for me. You know, I'm trying. So I, I don't, but I can look at the pictures and figure it out. I, I did it on Lake Austin. So I think it would have been in a way that wouldn't have like been blocking the view of the camera. So I definitely did a left knee down. Yeah. So you weren't yourself. You were just kind of like, what does this situation want out of me? Well, I did do theater growing up, so I kind of know how to not upstage myself. The showman. I have to uh I have to shout out my my boy Jeff. Jeff, you know who you are. He also got engaged uh, a couple weeks ago. So lots of love going on. Jeff's That's... a new listener for us. Wow, we're we're glad to have Jeff listening in. That's I've been the spreading guy. the brand, guys. I, I can confirm. I looked it up. I did go left knee down. There you go. But I'm also left-handed, so it might have been natural. Who knows? Dominant leg. Let's get into <laughs> right. it. Yeah. Let's uh, let's let's start by kind of looking at the state of college football broadly. Um, this is the last year before some major changes around the country. Of course, that started when Texas and OU announced back in 2021 that we would be leaving and heading to the sec that is obviously happening next year in 2024 now one year early um shortly after that usc and ucla dropped the bomb that they were leaving the pac-12 and heading to the big 10 and uh the, the the big 12 under the new commissioner brett yormark has then had then secured cincinnati houston ucf and byu um, over to the Big 12. And unless that was with was that before Bowlesby left, Andrew, or was that after? Uh I think that was right. That was before it, I, he left. Like so right Bowlesby left. secured it and then he left. That's right. Now this year there's been just chaos going on with realignment. It looks like the Pac 12 is basically gonna collapse because the Pac 12 is now down to four schools. Um and the Shift was Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado are coming to the Big 12. Oregon and Washington will be going to the Big 10, which sets up the SEC at 16 teams, the Big 10 at 18 teams, the Big 12 at 16 teams, and the Pac-12 at four. So ACC is locked into a really long-term meteorites deal, so they're kind of stuck. But there are some rumblings that other schools are not inter- are not happy where they're at. Florida State is looking for an out. What about the remaining Pac-12 schools? I'm, I'm just curious. What what do y'all think will happen next? I really hope the Pac-12 or what it used to be the Pac-12, the Pac-4, just stick together and just have a conference of four teams. <laughs> I would think that would be so funny. Just play um, each other three times? <laughs> yeah. No, I guess, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess you could play each other three times. Um be be nine nine conference games um for each team yeah that, that would work uh now i mean i don't i don't know what's going to happen next there's rumblings that stanford and cal 
um, might be joining the ACC, which that's also comical in its own right. That's um, crazy. The Atlantic yeah. Coast Conference. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see uh, Stanford doing that in particular because their athletics program is sort of always really close to the pinnacle every year. And, and logistically, that just doesn't make sense. I don't know how to answer that question, Jake, because if it were if it were huge teams with big brands, I would say, um, you know, you can see a few of them or one of them do the Notre Dame mold where they kind of just make their own TV deal and and manage themselves. But I, I don't know. I, I really don't. I think well, cut. The, the, the decision for them is is really hard, too, because one of you guys texted an article about how one of these Pac-12 schools had estimated the annual travel expenses for the athletic department if they were to go to the Big Ten. And it was like $10 million a year just in flights and hotels and food. Like, that's really unsustainable for organizations, you know, in an education institution that usually don't make money already, you know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch. I think Stanford, you had a good point about Stanford's athletics program, but that's almost a disincentive to going independent because they they won't be able to afford all of their athletics programs if they're not getting the conference money. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But but I don't know that anyone wants Stanford either because they don't bring enough supporters to the table. But who knows? We'll we'll see what happens. Do y'all think we'll go the route of two super conferences in the next five years or a power three or a power four? Um just based on how the ACC deal is, it just makes me hard to believe that the ACC will blow up anytime soon. Um, so with that being said, I think we're going to kind of be in a holding pattern for a little bit. Um, so that within the next five years, I don't, I think there'll be some change, but I don't think it's going to be substantial like we've seen the last couple of years. Interesting. I, I really don't know. I haven't been following this particular college football story very closely. And a lot of it, what really surprised me when a lot of this news broke. Um, but what I want to see, I'm kind of like maybe not answering the question, but going somewhere else, I would love to see something develop where we do see a relegation uh, process involved. I think that would be, you know, incredibly interesting. Um, it's also scary because like we're a team that has underachieved for over a decade now. And to think that we could be relegated from major college football because of that would just like, make the you know texas is back meme like even worse <laughs> uh, but, but that would make that would make college football i think compete with the nfl you know even a little bit more so i, I would like to see that that would be pretty fun like relegate like one team per conference or like two teams per conference every year make it like the it, Premier League. Mm -hmm. i think it would be fun i can't see that happening i i think if relegation happened, maybe relegation is not the right word. It's it's more uh, the money powers that be come together and say, hey, let's just form a two super conference of the SEC and the Big Ten, except we don't really want Vanderbilt, Rutgers, Northwestern, and we just want the ones that make money. I, I could see that happening. Maybe that's not relegation, but just removing people from the discussion. And that, honestly – a school like SMU could benefit from that because they're right. willing to put the money in. And that, that is where this, this conversation and change in the environment becomes a really sad thing. And I'll, I think we'll see 
some of this this season with commentators telling the storyline before games start. But we're going to have a lot of games this year where it's the last matchup for, you know, that second or third grade rivalry game. Like we don't get to play Oklahoma State this year. Um, we don't get to rave about how great of coach Mike Gundy is and the weird thing that he's done last week. Like there's a lot of like history that's going to be lost and, and, you know, those minor rivalries that, that might not ever happen for like another 20 years for a lot of these matchups. It's tough. No, that's, that's fair, Kev. I mean, it'll be weird going into the SEC next year, not playing Baylor, not playing tag Oklahoma state. I will say out of all the realignment schools, all the schools have gone from one conference to another. I don't think, I think Texas has benefited the most in gaining like old rivalries versus other schools. Cause yeah. we, de- we gained back Arkansas and, and A&M. Yeah. I mean, those are two big rivalries historically for Texas. We're in a crazy advantageous position compared to some others but like just thinking about my you know work for example um working in two different companies at both I've had friends that you know put or they went to Baylor or Kansas State and there's been little side bets like at the office like if my team wins you got to wear you know the Texas shirt on a Friday or if Kansas State wins like I'm gonna wear purple like that's gonna be lost I mean there's there's a lot of big 12 people that um are in our work circles that, you know, we're not going to have much to talk about or less than we're, that we're used to. So. Yeah. That, I mean, that's very true. And and kind of on that note, how do y'all feel the reception and the narrative around the Texas team will be this year as we're inevitably moving to the sec next year? I, I'll, I'll say initially I thought it was going to be everyone's, hatred was going to come out and even i was concerned about big 12 refing and like really really concerning things could come but the big 12 is in a very good spot right now moving forward they're still not going to be as good as with texas and ou but they, they brought some brands over and i i think they're going to be all right but yeah what do y'all think about for texas specifically in oklahoma this year andy you take that first um i mean i just like they'll I, I I agree with you, Jake. Like, there's going to be the normal hatred. I mean, no school in the Big Twelve likes Texas or OU. Um, but I just I think last year was kind of the height of the hatred towards those two schools. Um, I I just don't see this year. Like you said, they're in a lot better spot than they were this time last year. The conference is stable at least for the foreseeable future. And so I think everyone's just kind of ready to move on. So, yeah. What do you think, Kev? Just quickly, I think I think most of it is going to be based on how how we play. Like, if we underperform, there's going to be more negativity and jokes and, like, you know, you guys are going to get your ass kicked next season and, you know, buckle up, you're not ready. But um, if we play really well – and even just compete with Alabama week two, we don't have to win that game, but if we show good form on the field, like we've been recruiting very competitively, I think uh, the reception will be positive for the players. I worry a little bit because last year, I think there was a couple instances where we had good players, not on first team all conference lists at the end of the season for, you know, potentially bad blood. So we might have some players feel like they aren't getting rewarded 
after the season because of the, because of it. But we'll just have to see how it plays out. That is interesting because isn't that coach rated anyway? The the players lists a lot of them, like all conference. I think coaches wrote on that usually. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the media or coaches, but was it? It's coaches. Was it Jalen Ford that right. wasn't rewarded or? Um, Kelvin Banks also wasn't rewarded. Yeah. Um, there was a Not couple to the level of they should have been. Yeah, last season. Yeah. All right, let's let's use that to kind of transition into just Texas. Now we've we've got we've we've got the stage set for the what college football looks like, kind of the last year of this era, so to speak, before we move into an expanded playoff and and everything, and Texas going to the SEC. But let's look at this season specifically, and and I'll hand it over to you, Kevin, to kind of start off the breakdown of of this team and what we're looking like so keep keep this in mind background um i was on baby duty all weekend and i'm not exaggerating i've probably watched like four hours of longhorn insider youtube stuff in the last three days (laughs) so um i'm obviously stoked but going back to how i was feeling after the alamo bowl last season i thought this was the year because of recruiting Uh, because it's Quinn's second year in the system. So his level of comfort should be a lot higher in play calling and, and, you know, line of scrimmage checks and all that. Um, But the main reason that I feel very convicted about this and one reason you can't really compare where Sark is at right now with where Tom Herman was or Charlie Strong was is the coaching staff hasn't changed hardly at all. Um, even down to the skill player coaches. So talking even lower on the totem pole than offensive and defensive coordinator, um, we haven't had a changeover between head coaches. So the relationships between the players and the coaches is way higher than it ever was in the Herman era era or the Charlie Strong era. And that's coming to bear in a lot of interviews with players and with Sark especially interactions with the media this summer it just seems like the team has molded so well and like the culture term is such a cliche but they're enjoying it Um, they talk constantly about how focused they are how they're omitting external um, like you know all all the external pressure and what the media is saying they don't even care about it and a lot of the players that are probably going to be in starting roles are saying things like in interviews that they don't really care how many snaps they play they just want to win and if they need to stand on the sideline for part of the season to do that, they're happy to do that. So um, they're bought in. <laughs> the coaching staff is stable. The playbook hasn't changed much. Like um, I'm really excited to see how that impacts on-field performance. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you there, Kev. I, the culture is the best it's been, I think, since – Mac Brown days, probably like 2008 range, 2009 range. Um, now, I don't – I mean, I don't know if we'll be as good as those teams, but I really do think it makes a huge difference when it comes to that. And I I think that it is a decent – it plays a decent role in our optimism for the season. Um, but, Kev, what are your thoughts about the offense and just how the depth chart is looking right now? I think one of the biggest significant factors is this is the first fall camp that we've had in recent memory where there's no real questions at who's the starting quarterback. Um, So for the first time we have a quarterback that's going to start that has the chance to know that for months beforehand and kind of 
be a vocal leader um, and develop himself and not worry about the competition. So, you know, Quinn's starting, that's off the table. There are some questions at backup, um, a lot of competition between Arch and Malik, um, which has surprised some. Malik had a great spring game. Um, Arch has shown flashes in some of the scrimmages, but um, there's a lot of articles and talk about how Malik Murphy has a legitimate chance at, at being the backup. So um, quarterback room is pretty locked up, which is great. Um, one of the differences I think people will see this year, and, and I think people would expect to start to talk about running back because we've lost Bijan and Roshan to the NFL, but um, our wide receiver room is like stupid deep this season. Um, last season, we were really excited about the influence that Isaiah Nayor was going to have um, opening up opportunities for Worthy and just that one additional skill player we thought would be a huge advantage for us. Um, he ended up getting hurt in fall and not playing at all. But this season we have like two or three additional guys in the wide receiver room and it's going to be impossible to double everybody with all these guys on the field. Um, Xavier Worthy is going to start. Um, A.D. Mitchell from Georgia has transferred. He played in the spring game a little bit, has done really well in fall camp apparently, but he's going to start. And then Jordan Whittington, who's like, I've lost track. I don't know if he's a natural senior or a fifth year senior by now, but he had his first fully healthy season last year is taking care of his body better than he ever has. Um, and he's going to be starting as well, but they, the guys behind them are also, you know, it's going to be hard to see them not play a whole lot. Cause you've got Isaiah Nayor, who I mentioned, um, John Tay cook, who in the spring game basically caught two straight deep balls for almost two straight touchdowns like one of the fastest guys on the team. Um, if, if they stay healthy, and that's a big if, because injuries are a thing, um, I think we're going to see that our offense this season is more pass-oriented. And when things get tricky, we're going to lean on the running backs a little bit less and, and air out the ball quite a bit more. So that'll be really, really exciting. For the running backs, we will see a drop-off, and, and there's probably not going to be like a bell cow running back Bijan this year because we did lose a lot of legitimate talent but um, Jonathan Brooks who was I believe third string last year has the opportunity to be you know the back getting the majority of carries um, Jonathan Brooks is the one that said in in a media availability that you know he didn't really care how many snaps he got in a game if he had to stay on the sidelines for his team to win he would be happy to do that um, so he's like a really team oriented guy I think um you know, he's shown flashes in games. I think his average rush per carry already is like five or six yards. So he's gotten some experience, um, but there will be some new faces there. Um, Keelan Robinson, I'm not sure if he'll be second or third string, but um, in a media availability, Keelan said similar things like, I'm excited to play. This is Keelan. He said he was excited to play uh, special teams, you know, and he was talking about how the meeting with Jeff Banks in the special teams room was the most fun meeting they have you know, all week. He loved it. And he talked about how a lot of these guys that are second and third in the depth chart, they know that special teams is their opportunity. And there's a lot of talent that's excited to get out there and hit and make plays on punts and kickoffs. Um, quickly, offensive line, we're returning four starters on the O-line. So we, we should, should see a big improvement there. Um, Kelvin Banks, at tackle last season was a, a true freshman and did amazing. So he's a, he's a stud. Um, the one change on offense is we're going to see um, what's his name. Remind me, Andrew, DJ Campbell. DJ Campbell is going to start at guard 
over Cole Hudson, uh, we think. So that's the one changeover. But for the most part, there's a lot of experience, a lot of games played on that O-line. So the pass protection and, and run blocking should be, you know, pretty, pretty stable, which is, which is awesome. Um, that's all I got on the offense. What about defense, Andrew? Well, the funny thing was, is, I mean, you named a lot of quality players and like, it's really exciting what the potential that they have. And you, um, you forgot to mention uh, JT Sanders. Yeah. Is honestly a top three tight end in the country. I think at worst. Yeah. Um, probably top two. So, I mean, I'm not saying that like against you, like, <laughs> there's a I'm saying it more as there's so much talent on the offensive side that yeah yeah it's and easy I, just to forget about I think but I, I think you'll have the same difficulty talking about the defense like you know no one oh, wants sure. me to drone on for 15 minutes but if if I could like that I could do that because <laughs> there's so <laughs> many good players so yeah exactly I, I did think about JT a little bit like I worry about him getting overshadowed with our offense going more outside and and uh, being more about wide receivers. But I, I hope that he keeps getting as many opportunities as he did last year. Yeah, no, for sure. And, I mean, I agree. I'm definitely going to get someone on the de- uh, defensive side. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a great problem to have. We This is the most talented team that we've had since the late 2000s. Um, and I'm, I, I, I don't think that's really hyperbole hyperbole there we go um but yeah I'll, I'll be i'll try to be quick here um you know we return uh jalen ford is leading our defense he's our um um linebacker and uh kind of as kevin uh, alluded to earlier he probably should have won big 12 defensive player of the year but didn't um but yeah i i think linebackers should not be an issue for us our secondary i think we have a lot of studs and um defensive tackles i, I think we're gonna be real solid there um byron murphy's supposedly had a really great camp um alfred alfred collins has killed it as well um and yeah i i think the biggest thing right now is uh defensive end i think sorrell is going to be a stud this year too, but just who's going to play opposite of him. Um, and I think it's going to be Ethan Burke, um, sophomore out of Westlake. I think he has a lot of potential, um, but he's still young. He's still kind of on a smaller end for defensive ends. So um, I think as the year progresses, he'll get better, but there might be some growing pains with him. Um, yeah. And I guess uh Weak side linebacker will be interesting. Um, I think David Benda will probably start the season, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, Anthony Hill, uh, five-star linebacker out out of uh, Denton Ryan, I think he has a chance to potentially kind of take the reins as the season goes on. He's just that talented. It's nothing against Benda. Um, Because regardless, Benda's going to play a lot this year. But – yeah, I, I just think um, that's exciting. Catalan, we got him from Arkansas. If he is healthy this year, I think he has he has a, the potential to be an All-American. Um, he was a freshman All-American at Arkansas, but he's been hurt the last couple of years. Um, yeah, and so I think – and I think a quarterback, we're going to be good to um, 
Terrence Brooks, Ryan Watts, um, Manny Muhammad has been really stepping up in camp. Um, Gavin Holmes, we got him as a transfer from Wake Forest as well. So we have lots of depth. As Kevin said, we probably can talk for another 30 minutes on this. Um, But for the sake of time, I think I'm going to hand it off to Jake and he's going to lead us to an ad break. Yeah, that's a great overview of the team going into our opening game next week. So thank you all for, for going through that player by player. We are going to take a short break, but when we come back, we will be diving into a game by game predictions, our predictions for the season, and then we will hit the betting corner. So stay with us. We will be back after this short break. This Football on the 40 episode is brought to you by Hospitology. Hospitology is a weekly newsletter written by fellow Longhorn Blake Madden. It covers interesting, not boring stories at the intersection of business and healthcare, like why Amazon bought One Medical, and interesting health tech startups paving the way for the future of healthcare. If you want to get smarter on the crazy world of healthcare, subscribe to Hospitology today at workweek.com forward slash brand forward slash hospitology. And we're back. We're going to talk about our outlook for the Longhorns this season. We did game picks, game by game, before um, getting on you know, this podcast. So we'll talk about our slates and expectations for each game and um, really highlight the ones that we disagree on. So we're going to start our season Labor Day weekend at home against Rice. And each of us chose a win here for obvious reasons. I think the line on that game were favored by over 35 points. So it should be good practice for the horns and let's hope nothing goes catastrophically wrong. Um, But all wins there against Alabama, three out of the four of us are picking a win on the road in Tuscaloosa, including myself. I'm just laughing about how, (laughs) how crazy that sounds saying it out loud, but three out of four of us think we're going to win. Bowen has us with a loss, but um, Jake, I guess, Quickly, give me your mindset going yeah. to Alabama. Yeah, I picked I picked that we were going to beat Alabama last year, and y'all thought I was crazy. So We almost know, it, did it. <laughs> we almost did it. We, and I had a big money line bet on that game, too, and almost won it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think going into this year, there are more questions for Alabama than last year. And going into this season, there are less questions for Texas going into last year. So, a lot of the pundits are picking a Texas upset there. It'll almost certainly be game day. It's going to be a very exciting Saturday. I, I do think the Horns will win it, but it will. I think it's going to be close, and it, I expect it to be a single-digit line. It it already is. Yeah, I looked at it. Is earlier. it out? I think it's, it's seven, six, right? It's six and a half right now yeah. on Bovada. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if that closes a little closer to five. Yeah, I thought about like taking it now and betting on it early. Um, but you're right. There is more questions there than than for us um, ruling out, you know, results of last season. Clearly, they had two guys go and I think the top three or four picks in the NFL draft. So um, Bryce Young went and then um, their standout defensive end or, or you know, pass rusher guy. What was his name, Andrew? Well, he, he, Anderson. he, went, Anderson. Yeah. he went really high in the draft. So they're, they're two key skill players are gone and they still don't have a starting quarterback. I'm pretty sure it's going to be um, the kid that almost came to Texas 
Um, man, I'm terrible with names. Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow, yeah. Um, and and in my four hours of football YouTube watching this weekend, I listened into a few minutes of a Bama podcast on YouTube, and they're kind of down on him. Uh, he came into a game against AM last year and I think turned the ball over three times. So the fans at least are are not sold on him. Um, it's yeah, we're it's just prime for an upset. <laughs> We're we're way too confident about this, but I love it. It's informed confidence, though. Like after doing this for three years, like we don't want to say dumb stuff on these recordings. <laughs> like, um, I'm I feel pretty good about it. It's so, it's also interesting though that the Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner transferred to Alabama after the spring game, and the new offensive coordinator is the former Notre Dame, um, offensive coordinator, I believe. So it's very. Very interesting. They yeah, they're talking about out. their quarterback battle right now is between three guys. It's not even two guys. Um, so you're saying it, we're going to win by 20 or 30 points, right? Not 20 or 30. No, <laughs> I think it, if we win, it'll be by less than 10, and it's going to be a, a dog fight. But we're going to surprise some people. Okay. Tune moving back on. in for a special episode in two weeks as we preview that game. Yes. <laughs> moving on. Um, after Bama, we've got Wyoming at home. Uh, one interesting thing about this game is that I saw that Texas Tech is playing them on the road week one. So that might be a, a good game for us to watch um, and preview them. All of us agree here. W for the Horns in Daryl K. Royal Stadium. So I'll move forward. The next game is against Baylor on the road. Again, um, agreed for us here. All W's. The following game is uh, in Austin versus Kansas. All agreement here. Um a win for the horns. We'll spend some more time on the next one. That early October game in, in Dallas, Texas, OU. Uh, we're all feeling good about this one. Um, Andy, I'll let you start. I mean, OU is going to be better than last year. Um, especially the OU team that we played because we didn't play against Dylan Gabriel. Um, so I don't think we're going to win 49 to nothing this year, by any means, but I just don't, I just, I don't know. OU, they lost a lot of wide receiver. Um, their wide receiver depth is not very good. Um, they have decent running backs. And, I mean, I'm sure their defense will be a little bit better. But, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a tough game to predict in general because it's just you never know how both teams will come out. But we're a lot more talented it it would just really surprise me if we came out flat. And I think that's the only way OU would win this year. Jake, what do you think? 49 nothing again. We're going <laughs> to we're going to we're going to destroy them. No, I think I think OU is going to have a better but still down year. I'm thinking they're going to win around 8 games. So, eight, did you see their schedule though? Is it it's easy? Not that, it's not very tough. Oh, it's really yeah, they have the <laughs> by far the easiest schedule in the Big 12. Yeah, I still I, think I they're gonna stink. revise that up to nine and three. I don't know. They could lose to. I, I do think they'll lose to Oklahoma State, some other games, but yeah, not yeah. doing their season. I think they're gonna stink. This time last year, we were talking about how Venables isn't a good fit for the talent that they had on that roster, um, <laughs> because he's a defensive-minded coach, and the team was built just to score points and do nothing else. Um, and their defense of, was atrocious last year. Oh well, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, that that's a win. I think it's going to be a great weekend for us. Um, for the listeners out there, one of our traditions that weekend is to get together with a big group on Friday for dinner. 
And um, Jake and I actually secured that October the 6th, I think, dinner in May this year. Um, so I was calling Mexican restaurants in Dallas in mid-May asking for a 50-person reservation for October. They thought I was crazy, but we are going to we're going to rage and that's going to be a fantastic weekend. Um, so at that point, you know, three out of four of us on this podcast are saying we're undefeated. That's crazy. <laughs> if, we're um, undefeated, we'll go wrong. if we're undefeated six and zero, having beaten Oklahoma and Alabama, I think we're number one or two in the country. Jake, uh, will you make a promise if we're undefeated after OU that you'll come to the Houston game? I cannot make that promise because I think I have something that week. Just come to Houston to hang out. I'm not going to that game because I'm going to be exhausted. I from... have a feeling. Yeah, I thought I had I'm, something I'm actually not going either. The prior weekend, but well, um... if 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 I don't have something that weekend, I will come to Houston if we're six and zero. Let's go. Um, that also game... one one last thing about OU though that I forgot to mention. This is the first time since 2013 that Texas is preseason ranked higher than Oklahoma. So. Kansas State is ranked higher than them. It's cool. Kansas State is ranked higher than OU. I think it's been eight years since not only was OU not the highest ranked Big 12, Big 12 team in the AP, but but they're not even number two. Maybe it's been longer than that. Andrew, that might be something to Google and tweet or something, but we, we got to move on. We got to move on. <laughs> yeah. After OU winning streak, I'm not responding to Jake's claim that we would be one or two in the country moving forward. At Houston, I'll agree. Next game, BYU and Austin. Uh, Bowen, who's unfortunately not here, thinks that is going to be uh, the second loss for our team that he's predicting. He commented in our worksheet that, that we plan in that we're just bad against the Mormons. Um, we have some, some sour history with BYU. I believe both of the games we played against them were early in our college experience, and we did lose both. Um, so... We could get surprised, but I think I think Bowen's a little crazy for picking that. Yeah. One thing about that about that weekend is I think according to Jake, that's gonna be the that's a preliminary date for Jake's hot dog party. Maybe, so, maybe not. we're we're not sure. So let okay. let's save that one. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> save back what I said. I was just gonna say free beer for all BYU fans, if y'all are there. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good oh, one. Oh, that is a good one. I feel we like you could tweet that. that. You yeah. Tweet that too. <laughs> okay. Dang um, it. After Maybe BYU, we will keep it. After BYU, we have back-to-back home games here. We're playing against Kansas State, who um, took the Big 12 last year. I am picking a loss against the purple team from the north. Uh, the rest of us say wins. They're a good team. Uh, preseason Big 12 power rankings have them second or third behind us. They they just play tough and hard. And and I think, you know, part of my reasoning, TBH, on picking this loss was I was like, I can't pick us to go undefeated because that's like, there's just so far to fall if I do that. And I do think, you know, a two-digit win season is is where we're at. But you know, tell me why I'm crazy, Jake. Well, no, <clears throat> you have very similar logic to me. I think I'm just a slightly more optimistic person than you because I was, I'm very concerned about Kansas state and TCU above everyone else on the calendar. I think there's a good chance we lose one of those two games, but I don't 
like I can't look at it and say, okay, we're going to lose Kansas State or we're going to lose TCU or that I think we are. I, I still think we're going to be favored in those games um, if, if the beginning of the season goes well, and that's a huge if, right? But um, for prediction purposes, spoiler, I mean, I, I did – I pick we're going 12-0. and 0. Why not? That sounds fun. I mean, the popular pick right now among the pundits is Texas goes – 10 and two loses one conference game and loses to Alabama. Well, we think we're going to beat Alabama. So it's not that crazy of a thing to say. No, it's, it's not, (laughs) it's not. (laughs) After Kansas state, we're going on the road to TCU. I'm excited for this one, but my expectations are low excited because I'm going to the game. Expectations are low because I've picked back-to-back losses here. The rest of us on football in the 40 are picking wins. Andy, tell me why I'm crazy. I mean, you're not, I mean, we, I would say TCU was our worst offensive performance last year. Um, they TCU did lose a lot of talent. Um, they lost their starting quarterback, running back, um, wide receiver, and Quinn Johnson. Um, you know, I think TCU will have a little bit of a drop off, but um, we've had issues with Sonny Dykes. Uh, we um, he was a um, he was a coach at Cal. Uh, when we were in college, and Cal beat us both years, so I I, I think there's there's definitely um, it's definitely a tricky game. I'm just feeling optimistic that we'll respond to last year's loss and hopefully come out of there with a with a small uh, small margin of a victory. But uh, Jake, what are your thoughts? No, I mean, I'm concerned about TCU probably more than anyone on the schedule. So I'll just leave it at that. I, I still think we pull out that win in our undefeated season. But, yeah, that that, that could easily be a loss. Purple Iowa team State. just carry. At Iowa State after TCU, Andrew here is the only one that's picking a loss. Andrew, explain yourself. So one would might, might say, well, will Iowa State even have a team by November? You know, that is a valid question right now because it seems like half their team has um, illegally bet uh, either on their team or against their team in some instances, Um, which, I mean, yeah, it's just kind of a sketchy situation. But it kind of comes down to, for me, with Iowa State, we obviously don't struggle with their talent, but we struggle with their coaching. and so, I mean, we – Sark, his worst game his first year was against Iowa State. Last year, I think we should have lost to Iowa State. Um, I think there's a very good chance it goes one of two ways. Iowa State's a lot better than what people are expecting um, with the expectations being really low. Or they're going to be like 2017 Baylor um, where they're just depleted with talent and they just don't stand a chance in conference. Um, but – just based on Matt Campbell's um, resume, I just think I have to throw in a loss somewhere. And I think Iowa State is um, a team that just will give us a lot of issues. It, it sounds like you were scary close to also picking an undefeated regular season. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> dream dream crusher, Andrew, at 10-0, and 0, number one in the – one or two in the country and picking a loss at Iowa State who's got like, what, 40 players that could be in jail? Golly. or not jail, jail or off the team some of them could go to jail because they lied to prosecutors but some of them but ncaa there could be 20 30 players kicked off their team dang well yeah, it's, something it's to watch the regular season rounds out in austin against texas tech 
all of us picked a win there. So I'll read out quickly where that leaves us in our regular season predictions. Bowen and myself are picking 10 and two. Andrew is picking 11 and one and Jake is picking 12 and 0. All of us think we're going to the big 12 championship game. So let's talk about quickly, um, Jake, who do you think we will play in that game? Yeah, I, I do think we're going to beat <clears throat> Tech and Austin. I, I think we're going to play Tech two weeks in a row. I think Texas Tech's going to the Big 12 championship this year. I called Kansas State making it last year, and I'm calling Tech uh, being the surprise of the Big 12 this year. Coach McGuire did a great job year one, and uh, they have a lot of talent. I think Tech's going to surprise some people and finish Big 12 about 7-2. and two. We're going to be sitting there at 9-0 and oh, having just beat them and have a rematch in in Dallas the very next week. You have to be credited for that because calling Kansas State going to the Big 12 championship during a preseason podcast is is pretty impressive. Also, none of us picked uh, 10 wins last year, so we have a long way to fall this year. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think we all picked the over for Texas, right? Nine and a half is yes. the over-under. Wow. Yes, we did. We did. So I think that that – and I think we agree with this. I think that that result in the regular season has us in the conversation for the college football playoff for the first time as Longhorns fans. That that could be really, really cool. Let's move forward, though. So we're, we're optimistic about the team. Um, betting corner is, is our favorite segment that we end with each episode. Um, Jake, in Bowen's absence, please kick off the, you know, the third – annual betting corner segment well as the reigning champ i mean who else could uh, kick it off other than me you know i i just destroyed y'all pushed you into negative numbers some wild bets like andrew putting all of his money on tennessee to win the national championship one week and kevin going i think what were you like negative 25 units or something i don't know it was it was bad um but nevertheless as as a believer in the parlay, I, I did it. Anyway, um, so this season, we're going to do it the same way. We're going to have up to 10 units to bet each week. Um, each player can put as many or as few on each game, and we will highlight a few of the games each week. We may not read out all 10 units every week, but we will establish that we will submit them before the podcast so we can't play off of each other's picks and game the system. Um. For this season preview episode of Betting Corner, we're going to talk about season over and unders, preseason Heisman odds, uh, week zero games, if anyone has any. But let's let's start with Texas. <clears throat> you briefly mentioned, Kevin, that Texas is the over under for total wins in the regular season is nine and a half. Uh, does anyone have any bets on Texas for that or or elsewhere with Texas? You know, I think we saw one that said texas versus toledo who has more wins and so there i don't know anybody got anything on texas i do not and i'm ashamed to say so um uh, and then this is typical me hedging my emotions by not putting money down on things that i've claimed to be convicted on but no I, I didn't bet the texas win total i saved it for others like the heisman yeah um so I kind of did as a parlay of sorts. Um, I guess wow. I can just quickly read it, but um, I I really liked it. Um, 
it, it seemed like a special promotion for just like a random bet, but it was Georgia, 11 plus wins, Ohio State, nine plus wins, Michigan, nine plus wins, USC, eight plus wins, Penn State, eight plus wins, Clemson, eight plus wins, Alabama, eight plus wins, Tennessee, eight plus wins, Texas, <laughs> Seven oh plus gosh. wins. Notre Dame, seven plus wins. Oh Ole Miss, six plus wins at plus 450. 450 for all only, of that? Only 450? Oh, my goodness. Wow. What I mean, a, what a, what really, if you think about it, if you think about it, it's like for Michigan, for instance, it's nine plus. So, like, they just have to get to nine. Sure, but that also doesn't really do anything for your parlay. Georgia's no, got to get to eleven. Georgia's got to get to eleven. I mean, I don't know. I know yeah, but Georgia has such They're... an easy schedule. Yeah, yeah. they Michigan don't play anyone. Self-imposed a sanction on their coach. They might go lose to. I don't know who they're playing with. I think it's that's, Hawaii or something. That's just ridiculously low odds for a bet that took you about a minute and ten seconds to explain. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about it right now. Okay. Any any other Texas bets, Andy? Um, are we saving players for right now? Yeah, I'll, I'll just read my te- one Texas bet and then we'll talk okay. players. Um, I have Texas to win over seven and a half conference games. So going eight and one or nine and oh for two units at minus one ten. Uh, yeah, let's go to the Heisman. Any any Heisman or or other player specific bets you can do here, Texas or not? Uh, Andy, let's start with you. Oh gosh. Okay, I have a I'll, I have a lot, so I will go very quickly. Um, I'll just read off the the like player awards ones. Uh, so for Texas, I have I did one unit on Quinn Years to win the Heisman. Um, do I think that will happen? Probably not. But if we do actually go eleven to one or twelve and zero, I think Quinn is a finalist that's going to New York. Uh, so that's at plus 800. And then uh, kind of one random out there one that I did was A.D. Mitchell to win the Blitnikoff, uh, which is the top wide receiver. That's plus 6,000 to win Wow! Whoa. at one unit. So I think he will be our best receiver this year. 60 to 1. Yeah. That would probably win betting corner. Dang. I've got two Heisman bets, uh, both on Quinn. I think it's um, more of an option than you do, Andrew. I think this is a legitimate play this season. I put four units on Quinn to win the Heisman, and I put separate bet here, three units on Caleb Williams or Quinn uh, to win the Heisman. That, I mean, that, that's that's an interesting bet because Caleb Williams and Quinn, yours are actually the two favorites to win the Heisman right now. Caleb mm-hmm. Williams is the, the bigger favorite, but... Um, that's an interesting bet. I, I also put two units on Quinn to win the Heisman. Okay. Any other bets you want to share around uh, to, to get up to your 10 units? You didn't have to use all 10 if you didn't want to, but any, any other bets y'all would like to highlight? I can go. Um, I put a couple bets on the national championship winner. I put one unit down for Georgia to win the national championship. And I put two units down for Texas to win the national championship. Woo! <laughs> nice. There you go. Um, it's interesting. If Georgia wins this year, they would be the first uh, three-peat winners since the 30s. 
I think it was wow. since Minnesota since the 30s, which that was pre-AP poll era, which I don't, for me personally, I don't consider that a legitimate national championship. So um, since basically the modern era of football, that's never happened. But obviously Georgia is the most talented team in the country. So definitely, definitely could happen this year. Andy, how about oh. you? Other bets. Oh, yeah, uh, Andy, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'll just read off the rest of mine real quick. Um, Drake May of North Carolina. I think he'll have another big year. Uh, the line for him was 35 touchdowns and 3,500 passing yards at plus 370. Um, I think both of those are um, realistic to happen. Um Marvin Harrison Jr., I think he's actually the best wide receiver in college football, um, and he's one of the best ones we've had in a long time. Um, he's plus 200 to win the Bolitnikoff, so I'm going to throw two units on him for that. And then lastly, um, I'm going to throw two units on Michigan to win the national championship. I think they have the best offensive line. Uh, they have a really good defensive line. Uh, their quarterback returns. They have both returning running backs. I just think they're really stacked. A uh, Big Ten team hasn't won a national championship since Ohio State in 2014, so the odds are kind of against me on that. But I just think Michigan has a lot of talent, and I just don't – I'm just going to follow the trend and not think uh, Georgia will be able to win the national championship this year. Interesting pick. Uh, okay, I will go next. I – I'm going to highlight a couple of them. Last year, I was a big preseason Tennessee guy. This year, I am not a big preseason Tennessee guy. They play both Alabama and Georgia um, and and some other tough matchups along the season. And I'm going under nine and a half wins for TC, for Tennessee this year at plus 150 for one unit. And then uh, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is on the Tech making the Big 12 championship. I've got them two units to make the Big 12 championship game at plus 500. And then um, finally, just uh, another one that I'll, I'll point out. I think UTSA is going to be good again this year. Uh, they, I, I think that they're going to win 10 plus games. So I'm putting 10 plus wins at plus 280 for one unit. And, uh, well, uh, Bowen has my other bet, so I'll, I'll stop wow. just rattling off numbers at this point. <laughs> That's interesting. So Rocky top goes Rocky bottom, and then <laughs> UTSA outperforms. Another another interesting week one matchup that I saw, and correct me if this is week two, but I saw that UTSA opens their season against Houston. Another interesting one that I will be watching as the season starts. Yeah, Kev, I think one. that's... Yeah. I think that's week one, and then like week three or four, they play at Tennessee, which I think that that's a that's a tough game for Tennessee for sure. And I don't think they're probably anticipating how good UTSA is, but that that's awesome. Big opportunity for our boy Jeff Trailer. And, Do you want and me a to big read opportunity out? for me on both Tennessee going <laughs> under and UTSA? Going yeah, under. it's a huge <laughs> swing game right there. Can I Do read you... off Bowen's bets real quick? Uh, so yes. You have them. yes. Um, yeah, you can read a few of them. I don't need them all. Yeah, it's it's only four, so it'll be real quick. Uh, two units on Texas having more wins in Toledo, so he did make that bet. <laughs> um, at minus one twenty five, he has four units on Quinn or Caleb to win the Heisman, like Kev. 
um, two units to win uh, for USC to win the Pac-12, and then two units on USC to cover uh, minus thirty against San Jose State. I, I forget who they play this weekend, but they play. I this can't weekend. either. Ooh, a week zero game. So Bowen will be off to an early one unit lead or in last place after week <laughs> zero. That's cool. awesome. Well, that 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 was a, a fun segment as always. I can't wait to beat y'all two years in a row. Um, but that that'll we'll we'll go ahead and end the podcast with that. It's not going to be two years in a row. Hang on, I have to respond to that. Your head is elsewhere. Jake was late to this podcast because he was mm-hmm. planning his wedding. That mm-hmm. is something to watch. That is something to watch. My analytical <laughs> mind is going there. He's he's not focused. There's things going on in his personal as, life. There's as all three here. of the other co-hosts have children under the age of one and a half. They're so focused on, on everything all the time. Huh? I'm forced to sit on the couch and watch. Yeah, YouTube. exactly. What like, do you think, how do we get, get through the day, Jake? so get get real get real get real Uh, all i know is i have the bragging rights because i have done it you're just you're just mouthing gosh we were so close to letting that slide andrew i know okay well we're gonna we're actually gonna end the podcast now but we're clearly excited for season three uh we'll see how the season plays out for sure but we do intend to come to you each and every week during the the regular season uh, we will be posting these episodes by Friday at the latest before a Saturday game. Um, we are going to have mailbag back again. So you're welcome to send in our questions. You can check out our social media platforms for more information on that or at uh, on our Spotify account. We are at football on the 40 on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, that is all that I've got on information. But we look forward to uh, coming back to you next week to preview the Rice game. And until then, we will catch you on the next Football on the 40. Hook them.